Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis using the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net, Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can hit the super thanks dollar sign button. And you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. And I want to thank Ryan for becoming our latest Patreon supporter at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Ryan. Now it is time for this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment, the original air date, March 17th, 1951. And the title is Recover a Hospital Chart. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize this assignment's going to wind up with me playing the little kid's game of King of the Mountain. The only difference is, in this game I'm playing, whoever loses gets killed. Morning, Commissioner. Ruth said you had an assignment for me. I do, Steve. Well, what's the deal this time? You'll be looking for a piece of paper that's vital to us right now. Oh? Somebody steal it? Yes. What is it, a secret treaty or something like that? No, it's a hospital temperature chart. Uh, hey, you know, for a minute, I thought you That's said... That's just what I did say, a hospital temperature chart and a complete set of medical records. Now, look, Commissioner, fun is fun, This but... is no joke, Steve. You know, I think you're serious. You bet I am. Well, in that case, you better start at the beginning. Whose medical records are they and why are they so important? Steve, see this map of Eastern Europe, this country? Yeah, what about it? For some time, it's been torn apart politically. During the last few years, a popular leader has arisen who's been able to do the one thing nobody else has before him. To unite his country under a democratic form of government. You're talking about Carl Zander? That's right. Do you have any idea where Zander is right now? Why, well, it seems to me I read that he was taking a vacation somewhere in the Austrian Alps. Steve, Carl Zander is a patient at the Whittington Clinic right here in the United States. What? Yes, it's been a very closely guarded secret or... Rather, it was, up until a few days ago. Wait a minute. You said there were some medical records stolen. Were they Zandor's records? Yes. How they found out Zandor was in the clinic, we don't know, but they did. And hired a man to steal the records. We know the man's name, and we've got a description of it. But who'd want to steal medical records? Steve Carl is a very sick man. The uh, specialists at the clinic are all agreed he'll pull through, but... Right now, you'd never be able to tell that by looking at his medical records. I think I'm beginning to get it, Commissioner. Isn't there an election coming up in a couple of weeks in Zandor's country? That's right, Steve. Imagine what would happen if a highly organized minority in that country plastered copies of those medical reports all over the front page. They could make it look as if Zander was dying. 
That would cause the defeat of Xander's party. And three years of building toward democracy would go down the drain. I see. That makes those medical records pretty hot, Commissioner. Xander has asked for our cooperation, Steve. I told him we'd do everything we possibly can. You say you know who swiped the records from the clinic. Yes, a man named Duvac. He posed as a grocery truck driver to gain admittance to the clinic. Any idea where Duvac is now? I think he's on a ship named the Southern Empress en route to the Portuguese colony of Macau on the China coast. Sort of taken a roundabout way, isn't he? Yes, and we think it's to cover his tracks. Well, can't you radio the skipper of the ship? No. This thing has to be kept absolutely quiet, Steve. So I'm elected to fly over to Macau and meet the boat, huh? Yes, and your plane leaves in one hour. You'll just barely make it to Macau before the boat loads. Any contacts over there who can help me? One, a Lieutenant Braga of the police. Steve, get over to Macau, work with Braga, intercept Duvac, and above all, get those records back. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you'll find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Well, I've chased a lot of strange things in my time, but never a set of medical records. On the surface, it sounds like a cinch, but I've got an uneasy feeling that before the deal's over, somebody will be making out a set of medical records on me. It's Monday evening when my plane lands in Macau. I check with Police Lieutenant Braga, and the two of us head to the waterfront. We get there just in time to see the Southern Empress docking. We go aboard and find out from the purse of the Duvac's cabin is 23B. Yeah, you're Mitchell, sir. Have a description of this man, Duvac? Yes, Lieutenant Braga. I've got a picture of him right here in my pocket. Oh, I might observe, Senor, that the simplicity of this assignment makes it a refreshing change from the ordinary run of things for, for me here in Macau. Oh, yeah? We know who our man is. We have a description of him. We know his stateroom number. So, we arrest him and recover the papers you seek. And it is all over. Well, I hope you're right. Here we are. Two, three, B. Hey, the door is ajar. Mitchell. Yeah? A man lying on the floor. Yeah, come on. Is he dead? No, unconscious. Who is he? Search me. He isn't Duvac. That's a cinch. Come on, Buster. Snap out of it. Braga, how about getting that pitcher of water over there? Very well. Strange, too, that he should be lying there in his undershirt. Yeah. Looks like the deal isn't going to be quite as easy as we figured, Braga. No. Here you are, Mitchell. Thanks. <laughs> Well, looks like the water was what you needed, Buster. Come on now, snap out of it. Well, I'm... That's what we'd like to know. Who are you? Uh, I'm the steward. I was called in here by Mr. Duvac to get his luggage. I opened the door. It's the last I remember. Wait a minute. Where's my white coat? My cap? Mitchell. Yeah, looks like Duvac figured he'd have a better chance of getting ashore unnoticed if he dressed as a steward. Come. I have men stationed on the pier. We will check with him. But none of Braga's men remember seeing a man in a steward's uniform come ashore. Of course, he could have slipped by in the dark. Braga orders the whole area patrol, but all of a sudden I get a different hunch. If Duvac is this smart, maybe he's even smarter. I go back aboard the Southern Empress and look up the captain who's still up on the bridge. 
I'm afraid I don't understand, Mitchell. If this man Duvak has already slipped ashore in a steward's uniform, why... Maybe he has, Captain. But on the other hand, maybe that's what he wants us to think he's done. I see. Well, you have my permission to search the ship. Of course, that'll take quite a while. There's a lot of places where a man could hide. I know. That's why I'd like to stay up here on the bridge. What do you mean? Well, from here I can watch the side of the ship. Oh, you figure that he... Wait a minute. What is it? Seems to me I just saw something come out of one of those portholes down there. Oh, rather hard to see in the dark. Yeah. Want me to turn on the searchlight? No, no, not yet. Yes, I see it now. It's a rope dangling from the porthole. And somebody's starting to climb down it. Okay, Captain, hit that searchlight. Right. There he goes, climbing down the rope to the water. Dilvac, hold it! Mitchell, he let go of the rope and dropped to the water. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm going after him, Captain. Keep that light on him. I dive for a spot a few feet away from Duvac. The water hits me like a hand across the face. When I come up, Duvac is swimming for the center of the channel. I take off after him. Start gaining. Half a dozen more strokes and I've got him. Let go of me! Come on, Duvac. We're going back to the ship. Okay, you want to play rough, huh? I'll oblige you. I jerk my head around just in time to see a tugboat bearing down. I try to get Duvac out of the way, but it's too late. Awful heavy hits me a glancing blow on the side of the head, and all of a sudden, I've had it. What do you think, Captain? I don't know, Lieutenant Braga. The tug didn't hit him square, sort of a glancing blow. Maybe. <clears throat> hey. Sounds like he's starting to come out of it. Mitchell. Mitchell. What? Oh, Lieutenant Braga. Si, senor. And the captain. Hey, look. Where am I? Last, I remember I was in the water watching that tugboat climb my frame. You're back aboard ship, Mitchell. We fished you out just before you went under for the third time. Oh, well, thanks for the lift. Uh, hey, what about Duvac? Well, Duvac was not as fortunate as you, Mitchell. Uh, the tugboat hit him squarely. He, he was killed. Did you recover the body? See, si, but the papers you are after, the medical reports, they, they were not on the body. What, are you sure about that? Uh, quite sure. We searched the corpse thoroughly. But that doesn't add up. Look, we know that Duvac had those papers and was trying to get them ashore. He slugged the steward and swiped his uniform to make it look like he was going ashore that way. See, and then he tried to leave the ship later by means of the rope down the side. Well, all this we know, Mitchell. But the fact remains, those papers were not on him. Uh, well, I guess that leaves us two possibilities, Braga. What are they? Either those papers are still in Duvac's state rumor. Somebody took them ashore for him. In that case, Mitchell. Yeah, in that case, we're falling behind fast. Let's go to work on the first possibility. That the papers are still in Tubac's stateroom. Yeah, we'll give the place a frisk. Captain, I wonder if you could have that steward meet us in the stateroom. Sure. He might be able to give us a line on whom Duvac was running around with aboard ship. Somebody who might be carrying the mail for him. We may now throw out that first possibility, Mitchell. Yeah, we've gone over this stateroom like a vacuum cleaner, but we sure haven't turned up those papers. Come in. The captain said you wanted to see me, Mr. Yeah, I do, Stuart. Look, do you happen to know if the dead man, Duvac, was particularly friendly with any of the passengers? Well, I'm afraid I can't help you there. I don't... What is it? Wait a minute. Yeah, I just remembered the, the woman. What woman? Well, an American, I believe. What's her name? Miss, Miss Barlow, I think. Who's Miss Barlow? Oh, uh, one of the passengers. I remember seeing Mr. Dovac with her quite frequently the last few days. Happen to know if she smokes? Uh, well, why, yes. Yes, she does. Why? 
We found a cigarette butt with lipstick in the ashtray. Oh, I see. Uh, you think this Miss Barlow is the person you're looking for? I don't know. Well, thanks, Stuart. I... <laughs> Looks like we've got company. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry. I have made a mistake. Oh, who are you? I, I, my name is Kessler, but I do not see that that concerns you. Maybe it does. Are you looking for something or someone? Why, as a matter of fact, I was a friend of mine. But it is obvious I have the wrong stateroom. I apologize. Yeah, I wonder if he did have the wrong stateroom or not. Mm, so do I. He happens to be a rather unsavory character, Mitchell. Oh, oh, you know him? Yes, he operates a bar here in Macau. Well, it might be a good idea to keep an eye on him. Yes, it would not surprise me to find that he was involved. Uh, he may not have anything to do with it, but we're pretty short of leads right now, so we've got to follow up anything that looks even possible. I agree. I will have his bar watched. Good. In the meantime, I'll check with uh, this Miss Barlow. I believe she's already left the ship, Mr. Mitchell. Oh, well, in that case, I'll try to locate her ashore. See if I can find out just how good a friend of Duvac she was. I check with the purser and learn that Miss Barlow left the ship 20 minutes ago, so I go ashore. On the dock, I see a line of rickshaw boys waiting for passengers. I go over to one of them. When he sees me coming, his face lights up like a pinball game. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Fine, rickshaw, you try. Oh, yes. In a minute, maybe. In a minute, maybe. Oh, yes. Right now, I'd like a little information. Little information. Oh, yes. Your mother frightened by a parrot or something? Look, tell me. Did you see a woman come off that ship about 20 minutes ago? Oh, yes, oh, yes. You did? Where'd she go? Oh, yes, fine rickshaw. You try. Take your strange places with faraway names. Oh, yes. You know, I can see this is not exactly a meeting of the minds. Meeting of minds. Oh, yes. All right, all right. Now, look, Buster. How do you know my name? Huh? Don't tell me your name is Buster. No, name is... Now, look. Oh, fine. Okay, now, look. Now, look. I mean, now... Oh, you but there is only one of me. What I'm trying to say... Ah, uh, just take me into town, will you? I check all the hotels in Macau and find out that Miss Barlow registered at the Splendida. I charge over there in my trusty rickshaw and learn that she's in the bar, so I go in and slide on the stool next to her. Well, say... Hmm? Now, isn't that one... Uh, look, maybe I better go out and come in again. Oh, no, silly. I was just wondering what in the world I'd ever do if a strange man came into the bar and sat right down beside me. And then long you came in, you know I didn't even bat a little low eye. Well, now, that's real brave of you, ma'am. And not even a quiver out of your martini, either. Oh, now you're poking fun at me, Mr... Uh, Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. Well, I'm Susan Barlow. Oh, taking a vacation, Susan? Taking a vacation? I should say not, Steve. I'm starting a whole new career. That's just how bold I am. Oh? What mm -hmm. kind of a career are you starting? I'm going to travel all around the whole wide world and write down just about every little old thing I see, Steve. Well, that sounds like a pretty big order. <laughs> so you're going to be a writer, huh? Sure enough, I am. You see, Steve, I'm a school teacher in New England, and I decided one day that I whoa, ought to Whoa, 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 to... just a minute. Huh? Where did you say you came from? New England. That's what I thought you said. Well, southern part, of course. Oh, of course. And now I'm just out looking for color, Steve. I see. Did you find any of it on the boat? Did I? Well, you'd never in the world believe it, but I found it. Probably more. not, but how about interesting characters? You meet any of them? I sure enough did. Well, a name Duvac, for instance? I don't remember the name particularly. Oh. Of course, I met so many people on board. I uh, heard that you and Duvac were pretty friendly. And now, Mr. Mitchell, where I come from... Uh, southern New England, that is. A gentleman takes a lady's word for things. And come to think about it, I don't hanker to answer any more of your nosy old questions. 
I'm asking you right now to quit testing me, Mr. Mitchell. Else now, I'll short up report you. Report me? To whom? Never you mind whom. I'll just report you. You know, Miss Corn Pony, that you're sure enough on the level. Well, that's a powerful good act you're putting on. And sooner or later, I'm sure enough going to find out which. <laughs> chimes mean good times on NBC. There's adventure in the air tomorrow evening as NBC brings you another authentic story of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae stars as a modern-day agent of the law. Times have changed and the Rangers ride automobiles instead of cayuses, but they're still the same hard-bitten group riding down from the plains of Texas. And also tomorrow, galloping down from the plains of Hollywood, will be the hilarious Harrises to bring you another chaotic, confusing, and delightful domestic saga on the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. listening to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Well, along about now, I figure it's time to get back with Lieutenant Braga. I find him in the bar owned by Kessler, the man who stuck his nose into Duvok's stateroom. Did you find Miss Barlow, Mitchell? Yeah, I sure did. Well, what about her? That's what I'd like to know. Hmm? What do you mean? She's so phony, she must be legit. Phony? Legit? Well, that sounds confusing. Well, if it does, it's because I am. You found out anything about this Kessler? No, and he doesn't seem to be here in his bar at the moment. Well, it's possible, of course, that Kettler doesn't have anything to do with the deal. He could have been telling us the truth. Maybe he really was looking for a friend and just wandered into Duvok's stateroom by mistake. Yes, that possibility, of course, has occurred to me, too. You know, I'm beginning to think that nothing about this deal makes sense, Braga. Look... Duvok swipes some pretty important medical records back in the States and takes off with them. He mm. comes to Macau aboard the Southern Empress and then tries to make us think he sneaked ashore in the steward's uniform. But actually, he attempts to escape from the ship by means of the rope. Sure, and up to there it all figures. But when you fished his body out of the drink, the papers weren't on him, and they weren't in the stateroom either. Perhaps he had already passed them to a confederate. Yeah. That's about the only possibility left, and this character, Kessler, would qualify as a good suspect, except for one thing. You mean, if Duvac had somehow passed the papers to him, why did he come to Duvac's room? Yeah. All of which brings us back to Susan Barlow again. You sure enough never forget a name, do you, Steve? Well, hello, Susan. Have a seat. Well, thank you. Uh, this is Lieutenant Braga. I am honored, Miss Barlow. Oh, that's nice. Care for a drink, Susan? Mm, no, thanks. I can only stay a minute. I will have a cigarette, though. I want one of mine? Uh, no, thanks. I got mine right here in my bag. You know, I think I'll try one of yours, if I may. Why, sure, Steve. Here you are. Thanks. Let me see now. I got a matchbook here somewhere. Yeah, here it is. <sighs> thanks. Mm-hmm. Sort of surprised to see you again, Susan. The last time, as I remember, you were all set to report me to the nearest boy scout. Yeah, well, as a matter of fact, that's why I looked you up, Steve. I kind of wanted to apologize for being so testy. Oh, I thought maybe you were going to apologize for not telling me the truth. What in the world do you mean? You said you didn't know Duvac very well. Well, now, looky, Steve, if you're going to start that again, I'm just going to pick up and leave. The steward aboard the ship told us that you and Duvac were together quite a lot, Susan. He did? Was that nosy, Parker? Well, how about it? Oh, all right, Steve. I guess I did tell you a little old fib about it. Why? Well, mainly because my recollection of Mr. Duvac is not a very pleasant one. Hmm? He represented himself to me as a gentleman. He said he could help me improve my writing. 
Sure enough, had strange ideas about what improves a girl's writing. Oh, I see. Uh, look, did you ever hear him mention anything about any important papers he was carrying? Me important papers? I wouldn't know anything at all about that. Uh, Miss Barlow, hmm? uh, did this Duvac ever speak of a man named Kessler, the person who owns this bar? No, I don't believe I remember the name. Well, I'd better be getting back to my hotel, Steve. I'm glad you stopped by, Susan. We friends again? We sure enough are. <laughs> Fine. Come and see me then here. Sure enough. You're a most unusual woman, Mitchell. Yeah, you figure her out. I can't. She bats those baby blue eyes and said she wouldn't know anything about any secret papers or a man named Kessler. She appears to be telling the truth. Yeah, you're exactly right. She appears to be. If she really is, that leaves us with just one lead, Kessler. Incidentally, where is he? Yes, it does seem strange that the owner of a bar would remain away from it for so long a time. I wonder if he could have skipped town with those papers. But how could he have gotten them in the first place? I don't know. But I think we'd better find out where he lives and drop in on him. What did you say the number of Kessler's apartment was, Lieutenant? Nine, according to that bartender. Nine. That's just a couple more doors down the hall. Mitchell, if Kessler is involved... Hey! Hey! That sounded as if it came from Kessler's room. Come on! Kessler! Locked. Come on, get back here, Lieutenant. We'll have to break down the door. Very well. Okay, let's go. Didn't budge it an inch. We try it again. Yeah. Ready? Yep. Mitchell! Look, on the floor. Yeah. Kessler. Uh-huh. There are scissors between his shoulder blades. But where could the killer have... Wait. The window is open. Yeah. See anything? Uh, there's an alley running along the side of the building, but it's too dark to see anything. Yeah, the killer could drop out of sight with no trouble at all. Mitchell, if Kessler was stabbed to death with a pair of scissors... Scissors are a woman's weapon. Precisely what I was thinking. Well, if Kessler did have those papers, he sure doesn't have them now. Only things in his pockets are a matchbook and some loose chains. Let's take a look around the room, Braga. Very well. You think Kessler had the papers and the killer took them? I don't know. That doesn't quite boil, Lieutenant. How could Kessler have gotten the papers? And if he did have them, why did he show up at Duvac's stateroom? I do not know. Oh, this... yeah, what is it? Take a look at this ashtray. Two cigarette butts with lipstick on them. Yeah, and they're the same brand as Susan Barlow's smoker. Who are you telephoning? Her hotel. Hello. Is Miss Susan Barlow there? What? How long ago? Thanks. She's not there? Checked out a half an hour ago. Mitchell, she is the killer. Sure looks that we way. We told Fitz. Remember, she left Kessler's bar before we did. That was almost an hour ago. That would give her time to check out of her hotel, come here and kill Kessler. Yeah, she could have done it, all right. I will have a dragnet put out for her at once. I suppose you'd better. Mitchell, what is the matter? Something bothers me about this setup, Lieutenant. See, what is it? I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it, but... Hey, wait. What are you doing? Lieutenant, do you see any other ashtrays in this room? Why, no. Only this one in front of you. Why? What's in this ashtray? Mitchell, what is the matter with you? You can see as well as I there are two cigarette butts with lipstick on them. Anything else? No, of course not. See here. Do you see a wastebasket in the room anywhere? Wastebasket? Why, no. Anything on the rug? Rug? No, not that I can see. Mitchell, have you suddenly lost your mind? No, Lieutenant. Matter of fact, I think I've just found it. What are you talking about? You see, if you can locate Susan Barlow anyway, will you? I'm going on a little errand. If 
my hunch is right, I don't have much time. I head for the ship, Southern Empress, in a hurry. Just as I get out of the dock, I see a figure hurrying down the gangway, suitcase in hand. I follow. He darts around the corner of a warehouse. I beat it after him. But when I get around the corner, all of a sudden, there he is, right beside me, with a gun jammed in my rib. Looking for me, Mitchell? Yeah, Stuart. As a matter of fact, I was. Looks like you found me. Get inside the warehouse. Okay. I think I've got it all pegged now, Stuart. Yeah, that's nice. Duvok realized that it'd probably be tough for him to get those papers ashore. He knew Kessler was waiting for him, so they made a deal with you to take the papers to Kessler. Here's the door. Open it. You uh, figured there'd be more dough in it for you if you kept the stuff, but Kessler knew you had it. That's why he came to Duvak's stateroom. That meant you had to knock him off, which you did a half an hour ago. Come on, Mitchell, inside. Hey, why you bring me in the warehouse? Quieter. Besides, they won't find your body for days with all these crates stacked around. Well, that's a jolly thought. Now I gotta hand it to you, Mitchell. Got it all figured out. How you tumble to me, I don't know, but right now it doesn't matter. Come on, move. Where to? Straight ahead. Okay. Hey, uh, where are we going? I can't see a thing in the dark. <laughs> don't worry about that, Mitchell. Because for you, it's gonna get a lot darker. I stumbled along the warehouse, knowing that any moment he's going to pull the trigger. Then, as I'm feeling my way down the aisle between the crates, my hand brushes against something hanging on the edge of one of the crates. It's a cargo hook. I take hold of it, keeping it in front of me, and then... When we get to the next aisle, I suddenly whip around behind me and dive down the aisle. Fire! Fire! I'm halfway down the aisle by the time he gets his gun up. He's shooting blind. By now, I've got my own gun out of my pocket. I throw one down the aisle in his direction. Better call it a day, Stuart. You can't get out of here. I'm between you and the door. You want me to come after me, Mitchell? I guarantee a nice warm reception. It's only a question of time, Stuart. Mr. Ganner. Okay, it's my last shot for a while, Mitchell. Leave me three still on the gun. Like I tell you, you can't get out of here. I got news for you, Mitchell. Neither can you. It's lighter over there near the door. He's trying to get out to collect a slug. So like you said, it's a question of time. But I can wait as long as you can. All of which is getting me nowhere. It sounds like a stalemate. Then I look up. A pile of crates is about 30 feet high, and it sounds like stewards on the other side. That gives me an idea. Maybe I need a bird's eye view of him. I start climbing quietly, and it's like going up one of those pyramids. I'm almost to the top when I hear a faint sound on the other side. Then I get it. The steward has the same idea. He's climbing, too. So it looks like we're going to play king of the mountain. I flatten myself against the side of the top crate. After a few seconds, a dim figure comes into view. It's the steward holding his gun ahead of him. I hack at his wrist. <laughs> you didn't need that gun anyway. That's right, I did a knife, huh? Yeah, yeah. Come on. I didn't get your wrist locked soon enough. I just picked you. It's only a sample of what I got for you. Yeah? Well, here's a little something for you, kid. Ah! Oh, the crate! The crate! Ah! Oh, brother. I climb down. The steward's done for. I fish in his pocket and find the papers I've been chasing, and then I go outside. There's a figure near the gangway. When he sees me, he hurries over. Oh, it's Lieutenant Braga. Mitchell, are you all right? Yeah. 
I traced you here to the ship. The captain told me he had seen you following the steward down the dock. Yeah, speaking of following, did you locate Susan Barlow? Oh, yes. Hey, why did she check out of her hotel in such a hurry? So she could check in at another hotel. Huh? What other hotel? Your hotel. Why? Yes. She told me she had decided that you and she were going to be, uh, as she put it, sure enough, powerful friends. Oh, fine. And for this I get shot at, stabbed, and nearly drowned? Uh, but Mitchell... What made you realize that this steward was behind all this? Well, when you and I first found that cigarette butt of Susan's in Duvac's stateroom, the steward was there. Remember? Yes, that is true, but... That gave him the idea. He probably had a chance to lift some out of her room when he was cleaning it. Then, when he killed Kessler, he used scissors and planted those cigarette butts in Kessler's room to make it look like Susan had done it. But uh, how did you know they had been planted there? Susan used matches instead of a lighter. There was a matchbook in Kessler's pocket, no lighter. But there weren't any matches on the ashtray. Ah, yes. You see, if there'd been only one cigarette, it could have been brought in lighted. But the fact that there were two of them with no matches made it look a little phony to me. Ah, so it would appear that the steward overlooked the one small detail of the match, which might have made his plan succeed. Yeah, I guess you might say he was almost a match for us. Dangerous Assignment stars Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is produced and directed by Bill Carn. Others in the cast were Bill Johnstone, Tony Barrett, Tyler McVeigh, Peter Leeds, and Betty Lou Gerson. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. <laughs> Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Who calls everybody darling? Why, Tallulah, of course. And tomorrow, Tallulah's darlings on the big show include Fred Allen, Eddie Cantor, Phil Baker, Eddie Fisher, and many more. You're invited every Sunday to the big show. And for drama tomorrow, Theater Guild on the Air presents a one-hour adaptation of Genie, starring Barry Sullivan and Margaret Phillips. Now stay tuned for The Man Called X on NBC. Welcome back. Okay, I did think it was cute that Betty Lou Gerson's character came from New England, the southern part of New England. Which is a nice wink at all the sort of southern bell characters that you'll find in these programs. Also, a nice uh, concluding final battle between Steve and the Steward. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we've got a question from Sean on YouTube regarding the episode Nazi Fugitive. And uh, he asked, how sure are you about that title? And the answer is, to be honest, not sure at all. For the best documented series out there, the question of the correct title is very well documented. 
For example, in most episodes of Sam Spade, the episode name is clearly stated by the announcer. If not, then it was on the scripts and those have been located. Johnny Dollar, at this point, all of the names right in the body of the program. Same thing for Philo Vance, same thing for Tales of the Texas Rangers. And then you come to a series like Dangerous Assignment. Episode titles are not clearly stated in the program. Specific titles were not stated in newspaper reports. And specific scripts uh, have not been consulted or have not been something worth pursuing for researchers. So what we have with Dangerous Assignment are essentially titles that have been set by the old-time radio collecting community. And when these titles exist and there is not a better alternative, I will go ahead and put them on the episode even if I don't think too much of the title. Because the reason those titles are given is to really distinguish between particular episodes. So if I decide, I think this episode title would sound better if it were something else, then that could lead to confusion with people thinking that I have an uncirculating episode when I've just renamed an existing circulating episode. I will make exceptions to this rule, but generally it'll be something like if the recognized unofficial title actually contains a spoiler for the plot of the episode. But in the absence of an official title that I can use, I'll use unofficial titles uh, that are commonly being used on the internet to avoid confusion and also to make sure that folks searching for circulating episodes of Dangerous Assignment in podcast form will be able to listen to what I have. Again, a great question, and I wish we had accurate titles, but at least we can avoid causing any confusion. And then there's a comment from Christine over on Spotify. And Christine wrote, uh, these always seem like The Man Called X Light. That being said, I really do enjoy them. Thank you for all the great radio you provide. Well, thank you so much, Christine. I appreciate it. And I can understand uh, what you're saying. I I don't think anyone's going to say that Dangerous Assignment is high drama, but it is a really fun adventure detective mystery series, and we're so glad to bring it to you. All right, well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Robert. Robert has been one of our Patreon supporters since August 2016, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Robert. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you're listening to the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and if you want, leave a comment. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment, but join us back here tomorrow for Follow Vance, where... Well, this is the street you said Soma lives on. This house should be that one. There's a crowd around that house, Vance. Something's happened. No doubt about that, my friend. Let's find out what. Well, there's a police officer over there, Markham. Yes. Let's find out about this. I'm with you, Vance. 
Hey, stop shoving, will you? Pardon me. Sorry. Excuse me, please. Get back, everybody. Get back there. Oh, officer, I'm District Attorney Markham. Oh, sure, I recognize you, Mr. Markham. It's quite a thing we have here. Fellow lives here, a man named Joe Somer jumped or fell from the roof of his house. What? He was dead when he hit the ground. Joe Somer, Markham. That's the man you wanted to see. Not right now. It was suicide, all right, Mr. Markham. Almost hit a couple of people when he jumped. That's awful. I uh, found a suicide note in the house. There wasn't anybody home, but the note was right where I couldn't miss it when I went in. I'll uh, turn it in with my report. All right, officer. Well, Vance, I promised you a case. It looks like it's over before it even began. That, my friend, is a matter of opinion. Perhaps there is no larceny case, but I have an idea that instead of it, we're going to have a murder investigation. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.